0: This is Dr. Lewis Blevins of Pituitary World News, podcasting this evening from San Rafael, California. Today I would like to review our first drug in the series of medical treatments for hypercortisolism due to Cushing's disease. The first three drugs in this series are adrenal biosynthesis inhibitors. Today we'll talk about ketoconazole. This drug is not FDA approved for the treatment of hypercortisolism. Its use came about, I guess by accident, and many years ago, probably 50 years or more now, um, patients were treated with this drug for fungal infections. And they learned that a number of people developed adrenal insufficiency. This is actually very common in patients in the in the 80s and uh, 90s who were treated with this drug for fungal infections who had HIV because they often have other potential causes of adrenal insufficiency. And this drug unmasked the partial adrenal insufficiency in those patients. Well, as fate would have it, um, Anytime you find a side effect of a drug that might be particularly useful in other patients, the drug gets employed in those other patients. And in this case, obviously, it was used in patients with hypercortisolism. And there have been a number of reports of case series of patients with hypercortisolism due to various and sundry causes who have been treated with ketoconazole. In all, those studies report about a 65% success rate of normalizing the urine-free cortisol. My experience is probably about 75% of patients can normalize urine-free cortisol if this drug is titrated aggressively to achieve the maximum benefit. With this drug, I usually start out at 200 milligrams twice a day and increase it up to 1600 milligrams daily in divided doses, three to four times a day, and I've been able to get good control of cortisol levels. By the way, this drug works by blocking an enzyme called 11-beta-hydroxylase and another one called 17,20 20 lyase and these are enzymes that are important in cortisol production. Interestingly, in these patients, uh, and contrary to other drugs, the ACTH level doesn't rise. So Normally, when you lower cortisol production in patients with Cushing's, by having an effect on the adrenal gland, ACTH levels would rise. But this, these patients, the ACTH doesn't, arise, doesn't rise so that you, you don't see the hyperpigmentation or some of the other consequences of a rise uh, in ACTH with increased production of steroids that accumulate before the blockade. But interestingly, some of these patients do escape treatment. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you can start on a dose, achieve normalization of urine cortisol, and then after a while you'll find their cortisol levels are back up so you have to keep stair-stepping the dose upwards and sometimes ultimately you you fail therapy or that you only have a partial response and then you have to add another drug to your management to help uh, treat the patient. The biggest problem with this medication is that about 15 percent of patients uh, will have abnormal liver function tests uh, during treatment and This, fortunately, is reversible uh, if you stop treatment. But the drug now, after many years with no warning, now carries a black box warning from the FDA. And that's pretty much um, almost the nail in the coffin for this drug. In fact, at one point, we thought the drug probably would be withdrawn from the market by the Food and Drug Administration, but they've allowed this drug to continue to be prescribed by physicians for patients who need it. So, I have considered this drug to be the workhorse. Uh, We'll talk more about the evolution and the history of some of these different medications as I review other drugs, but for many years, ketoconazole was the workhorse drug uh, to manage patients with uh, hypercortisolism. It works, Uh, I've not had any patients get into serious trouble with it, But there is the black box warning and the risk of having transaminitis, as we call it, when the liver functions are raised. So I think that it uh, uh, certainly has um, a place in the management of patients with Cushing's. But because of this black box warning, I think it's led to the uh, development approval of other drugs that are perhaps a little better. And we'll talk about those uh, later uh, in this series. So once again, Dr. Lewis Blevins of Pituitary World News, thanks for listening, and we look forward to your feedback. Uh, Please let us know if you have any questions, concerns, or ideas for podcasts. Have a good evening.